um, today's passage does go after greed. I've always thought, you know, we don't talk about money here a lot at Manly Life, but the best antidote to greed is generosity, right? It's just giving it away. And um, that does something. If you want to slay the beast of greed that lives in your heart, the best way to do that is to be generous. Um, I was sharing this morning that, you know, I've spoken about that guy Fred that I met in Kenya um, at the By Grace Orphanage. And um, he was the senior boy at the school. And what I didn't know, I was, I was talking to him on the phone yesterday via video from Naivasha in Kenya. What an amazing world we live in where you can do that. Is he would go to school for a month and then he would have to drop out of school for a month and go work as a labourer to earn some money to then go back to school again. Um, anyhow, amazingly, then he met Maria. You know Maria and Lee here at this church. And Maria was so taken by his story that Maria then just paid for his school fees so that he could finish high school. And Fred um, got the highest marks that anyone's ever got in the high school. And he's now got a scholarship to go to university at University of Nairobi. And so isn't it amazing what generosity can do? It can literally change the destiny of a person's life. And he was um, getting me to help him work out what course to get into. And he did very well. He didn't get into like medicine or law, but he got enough marks to get into arts. Uh, but he was saying to me, I'm not very good at drawing. Um, <laughs> I was like, well, that, that's okay, because that's not what uh, art is, a Bachelor of Arts. But the reason he didn't know what a Bachelor of Arts is, is because he's the first person in his entire village and area to ever go to university. Um, so isn't that amazing how like generosity can just change the direction of a person's life? And there's a part of me that was thinking like, you know, you want to go just help everyone, but just focus, start with helping someone, right? I mean, that school was full of people with great needy stories, but you know, Fred's life has been changed because of a person's generosity. So, you know, we don't want to be an 80-20 church where 80% is given by 20% of the people. Um, let's all play our part in being generous. And you've you got to start when you're young. You know, I remember when I was working for the first time in London in a professional life, um, I was just cheap, right? And then I kind of got to a point where I was like, I realized I've just got to start giving by direct debit, regularly set it up, and regularly start the patterns of generosity. Um, I think that's a great thing to do in our lives. So let me encourage you to do that. Um, Let's kick on with Ephesians. This is the last week in some of the morality of the Christian faith or the ethics of believers. Uh, And we've been saying it all flows from the good news of the gospel story that we read in Ephesians chapters 1, 2 and 3. He then pivots and says, therefore, live a life worthy of the calling you've received. So in light of being redeemed and forgiven and loved by God, empowered by his Holy Spirit, now start to live a life that is worthy of the calling, the worthy of the name of of Jesus that we go by. Um, And we've been saying that kind of any imperative, like what we looked at last week, like truthful speech or not stealing or being compassionate and forgiving is always done in light of what God has done first. Um, Just off the back of last week, I want how did you go with truthful speech? You know, we kind of encouraged each other to go on that adventure of just speaking truthfully, seeing where the chips lie and not telling little lies or more lies to cover up other lies. 
Uh, I know I caught myself a couple of times during the week, not like outright lying, like where have you been and just saying something totally different, but I just found myself doing little exaggerations or little embellishments of whatever I was question I was answering. And I asked myself, kind of, why am I doing that? And I realized that so often we do these little lies or little embellishments because of self-preservation or self-promotion, right? We want to either save ourselves from a little bit of drama or we want to make ourselves look good towards in front of other people's eyes. And I just caught myself a couple of times and it's that thing of like, that's the spirit of God. You know, convicting us of our sin and just saying, get back on with what you're called to do as living out the Christian life. So let me just encourage you. Let me keep challenging you. Put off the old self and put on the new and speak truthfully. All right, let's look at um, Ephesians 5, 1 to 14. Uh, You can follow one up there or in your Bibles. Remember, we've got Bibles in the foyer if you want to grab one any Sunday too. It says, Paul, writing from prison in Rome to the church he'd planted in Ephesus over two years of ministry. He says, follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children, walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must be not even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral person or impure or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness... But now you are light in the Lord. So live as children of light. For the fruit of his light consists in all goodness, righteousness and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. So have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. Amen. Um, in recent months, um, Star Wars has basically taken over my home. Uh, if you don't know, I've got a, a six and an almost eight-year-old, and the kids have just finished watching The Mandalorian after having already watched all nine Star Wars films. Uh, Luca has several lightsabers. You are not safe if you enter our house. You could be cut in half at any moment. Um, and a favourite game after dinner is we take turns pretending to be a different Star Wars character and the rest of the family have to guess who you're acting out. Um, I do a particularly good Jabba the Hutt. Uh, (laughs) It just comes naturally. But the kids are fascinated by the idea of there being a dark side and the idea of turning to the light. And Luca, my six-year-old, is always asking when a new character appears in Star Wars, Daddy, Daddy, are they a good guy or are they a bad guy? Are they on the dark side or are they on the side of light? And it's a good question. And we often ask that, don't we, of 
uh, people that we meet, people around us, work colleagues, even family members. Is this a good guy? Is this a bad guy? Um, Often with most of us, the story is more complex. But what if instead of always asking that about others, we ask that of ourselves? Uh, Am I on the dark side or do I walk in the light? And even if you walk in the light, where does darkness still reside within you? Does your daily living demonstrate who we belong to by how we walk? And you know, last week we looked at truthful speech. One of the ways that you know that you belong to Jesus and you, you live in the light is you begin to speak truthfully. And we ask that question. We use our words. Do, they, do our words tilt the world around us to heaven or do they tilt the world towards hell? As the children of God, we've got that incredible opportunity to use our speech, to use our life to be living as children of light. Uh, in the Christian faith, we soon learn a few truths. Firstly, all of humanity starts on the dark side, right? We are all Darth Vader, to stretch the Star Wars analogy, probably a little too far. Um, but I've never had a real issue with that because I know my own heart, right? I know that besides the grace of God, my heart is prone to selfishness and self-interest. Um, Secondly, it is Jesus who brings us into the light. And we'll talk about this more later, but it's through imputed righteousness. And then we become light or righteousness through this gift from God. It's not something we earn. Um, We don't wake up one day outside of Christ just shining brightly and all of our deeds being righteous and pure. Uh, It is a gift bestowed on us, as Murray said when he was talking about redemption, um, that God gives to us. But then finally, we are called to live as children of the light. So in Ephesians 5, Paul again sets up this contrast between the old way of living and the new self. And it starts pretty powerfully because he just says, walk in the way of love. Right? There can be no greater contrast from walking in selfishness and self-interest and self-promotion to walking in the way of love. And again, it's done by explaining how God has done this first. Uh, Verse 2, what are we modelling this on? Verse 2, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. So walking in the way of love for us includes that kind of sacrificial behaviour where we put other people first. And it shouldn't surprise us that so many of the ethical imperatives of following Jesus involve love, right? This is what the Christian life looks like. It is based on a love demonstrated or modelled through Jesus' sacrificial love. There's this great section in Romans where um, Paul is talking about how we should live as Christians. Romans 13, 8 to 10. Uh, I think this is the greatest passage that I know of about how do we understand ethical living As followers of Christ, Paul says, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves has fulfilled the law. Right? This is so good. He says the commandments, this is referring to the Ten Commandments. 
You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. Whatever other commands there may be, they're summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is a fulfillment of the law. He basically says, if you want to try and work out how do I, in any particular situation, how do I act? How do I respond? How do I behave? Do it through the lens of, am I loving my neighbor as I would want to be loved myself? Right? You're not going to cheat on your partner or murder or steal or covet because ultimately that's not the loving thing to do. You know, you, uh, it's that good test of the golden rule, isn't it? The things you would want done to yourself, because we fundamentally do love ourselves and we don't want to be harmed ourselves, do that to others. So he says, walk in the way of love. This is the lens through which as the children of God, we do everything. It's kind of the 101 of Christian living, walking in the way of love. 1 Corinthians 13, Paul says, if I do not have love, I have nothing. I am nothing. Right, 1 John 4, 7, dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Says verse 8 of 1 John 4, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love, right? There's no way that we can live an unethical, immoral life as we're the children of God if we're doing it through the lens of God's love. So that's why we've got to let the love of God infuse us deeply. We've got to receive it, bask in it, know it, glory in it. And then we walk in the way of love as our response. That's, how, that's the only way the world can know if you are a child of God. Is do you love your neighbour well? Do you put this into action? You know, you're not going to get to the end of your life and get a theology test. I mean, theology is important. But the test will be, have you loved well? Right. So then Paul moves on to uh, this kind of exhortation around old ways of living and new ways of living again. I don't want to rehash last week, but quickly we said that any moral exhortation from Paul is always read in light of the good news of what God has done. It isn't because God has, you now must, but instead it's because God has, you now can. Because you're loved, because you're empowered, you can now live this way. So some of the ones we find in Ephesians 5, 3 to 4 includes, uh, amongst you there must be no hint of sexual immorality or impurity or greed or foolish talk. And, and I think, you know, it's interesting to me that this is, this is why he's going to go on to talk about walking in the light. Because in one sense, these moral areas of our lives are the things which, you know, we, we, we want to keep hidden from other people. These are not the things we'd want revealed about us that, you know, we're full of lust or cheating or, or greed. We kind of, you know, we, we self-promote by dampening these things down. But maybe a good test would be the mum and dad test. You know, would, be happy, would you be happy for your parents to know the details of your life around these things? Um, and don't worry, it has to work for them too. Would, would your parents be happy for their parents to know everything about their lives, right? But, but Timothy Keller's good on this. He says, um, greedy people end up in idolatry. They're idolaters. He says, money itself isn't usually an idol, but what you put your money towards does show you where your idols usually are. That's good, right? Right? Like, like how we spend our money reveals what we really worship. 
You see, if you're not generous with your money and your home and your time, it may expose what you really worship. You know, you spend more money on, say, fitness than the kingdom of God. Maybe you're out of kilt. You know, if you spend more money and ridiculous amounts of money on home improvements and, and property and all that kind of stuff, but you never build anyone else a home, maybe you're worshipping the wrong thing. Right? And then sexual immorality. Um, again, Tim Keller, who's a pastor in New York, speaking about the early church, right? I, lo- I love this quote. This is, this is, for me, so on the money. Um, this, is, this, is the, this is the environment within which Christianity emerged in the ancient world. And a pagan was just anyone who didn't know Jesus, right? He goes, a pagan gave nobody their money and practically gave everybody their body. And then the Christians came along and gave practically nobody their body and gave practically everybody their money. Is that good? Right? That's, what, that's, what, that's, that's the new life that we put on. You know, where we were promiscuous and cheap, <laughs> we become moral and generous. Right? And it's just such a beautiful thing that God calls us to. As my friend Charlie said, Christians shouldn't be able to keep their wallet in their pants. You know? I think that's great. We should just be always responding to need. We should just always be, be splashing the cash where we can. You know, we all have different circumstances with where we're up to in life. But fundamentally, you know, we should just be always being generous. Um, and so you want to kind of desire this holiness with our sexuality. Uh, it's not always easy, right? I mean, you, you're a beautiful bunch of people. You guys could be part-time models. Uh, <laughs> you know, temptation is real around these areas. And, and when we get it wrong, we come before the Lord, we throw ourselves on His mercy, we receive His grace, and then we, we, we reorient our lives back towards the calling that we've received, back towards righteousness, back towards holiness. And it's a beautiful thing to have that in your life. Now, we do all this, of course, in a greedy and sex-saturated world. But I don't pretend it's easy, right? I don't pretend that this, this stuff's easy. But this is what Christ calls us to. Victoria went to a parents' evening with um, the wonderful... I'm, I'm so on board with what this lady is doing. Do you know Melinda Tankett-Reese? Um, and she's trying to, you know, just combat the sexualization of our culture, particularly around teenagers and tweens and the, the, the advertising and the messages constantly pushed to them about bodies and sexualization of everything. And um, one, of the, one of the parents asked, when should I get my kid a mobile phone? And her answer was, when you are ready for them to be exposed to porn, right? That's the world we live in. That's what we live in, that our teenagers, even our kids, have access to this sex-saturated world that is distorting their views of what it means to live well and holy. Right? So we need each other. We need to be calling each other and saying, you know, we've got a whole different narrative, a whole different way of life where we put off the old and put on the new. We uphold the beauty of being created in the image of God and sex being special and for marriage and for faithfulness. And, and, and you know, we just, we eagerly desire to go after that kind of life. So how do we do all of this? 
Uh, Ephesians 5, Paul then goes into this whole section on living as children of the light. And that's where I want to just finish today's sermon. So what do we learn from this passage? Well, verse 8, it says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So live as children of light. So there's our calling. That's what we're called to. We're just called to live as the children of light. That's what we want to be known for. Verse 8, you were once darkness. Um, Paul starts with the reality of the human condition. Outside of Jesus, we exist in darkness. And it's not that there isn't good in every human person, right? I mean, we, we're all created in the image of God, and so we're, we're capable of good and capable of love. But the reality is the overwhelming condition of the human heart is darkness. And because I know myself, I'm very happy to tick that doctrine. Uh, But Paul talks about all the things that we do, verse 12, that are shameful to even mention what the disobedient do in secret. And that's a big part of living in darkness. It's the stuff in our lives that we wouldn't want exposed. And we were talking last week about the truth and how we tell lies that we then cover up with lies, which we then need to tell more lies about until it all unravels. Right, and, and that's such a desperate, sad place to be. So just walk, walk in the light. Walk in the light. So verse 8 says, But now you are light in the Lord. It's a gift from God. And the Greek is correctly translated here. It's not you are in the light, but you are light in the Lord. You know, theologically, this is what we'd, we'd, get, we'd call an example of like imputed righteousness. It's not that we've become righteous through our hard striving and acts, but God just bestows righteousness upon us because of what Christ has done. And so we are light in the world, right? It's not something we actualize, but it's imputed into us. It's given to us, bestowed upon us. Well, 1 Colossians 1, it says, The Father has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Verse 13, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. I love the way um, Nicky Gumbel used to explain this in the old Alpha course when I was a kid growing up. Um, Nicky used to talk about David Beckham. And he used to talk about when Beckham went from playing for Manchester United And then Real Madrid purchased him and he went and played for Real Madrid, right? And so he no longer plays for the old team. He now plays for a whole new team. Um, Not to stretch it too far, but, you know, Manchester United being the dominion of darkness. We're not not going there. But you no longer belong, Paul says, to this old way of living. You have been purchased at a price to join a new family. Or as it's put in Ephesians, you are now light in the Lord. This is who you now play for. You now play for Team Light, right? That, that, the price has been paid to bring you into Team Light. That's now who you represent. And the transfer analogy, I think it continues in verse 8. You know, uh, Manchester United can't call up Ria. Um, what are they called? The Spanish team? That's the one. And say, like, Beckham, why aren't you in training? Because he's been purchased, right? He now belongs to an entirely new team. He doesn't need to turn up for the old one. He turns up for the new one. So verse 8, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So live as children of light. 
right? Start playing for the new club. Start playing with the new team colours. Start playing with the new ethics and morality of the kingdom of God to which you have been purchased and bought into. And so we begin to take on this whole new way of life. And so we begin to live in a transparent and illuminating way that throws off the darkness and embraces being a light in the world. And let me just finish with one final thought today. If you are struggling majorly with an area in your life, right? Because, you know, we don't get saved and become perfect overnight, right? We're going we're gonna to have battles. There's going to be struggles. And if there's an area of your life that just you feel like you keep that in the darkness, let me encourage you to live transparently. You know, and by that, I mean, don't keep it in the darkness, but bring it into the light. You know, whatever that challenge it is, it might be because of the sexualization of our culture. You might struggle around looking at the wrong stuff, right? It might be with greed and you just find yourself being cheap the whole time and never, you know, whatever it might be, which is still belonging to the old self that doesn't belong to the new, bring it into the light, right? And that's one of the gifts of Christian community is we can have accountability and good accountability. It's not going to judge you. But it does, in love, encourage you to embrace the truth and to walk into the light. Right? So whatever that area... I can't be me for everyone. Like, find someone you trust who, who loves you and has got good intentions for you and share with them what's really going on in your life. Bring it into the light and let them encourage you to walk into this new way of living. You know, vulnerability is a really good thing because there has to be that deep conviction, doesn't there, that we want to be in the light. We want to be light. We desperately want nothing to do with the deeds of darkness. But getting there is such an adventure. We've got the rest of our lives to do this, but just to walk into this new way of living. Holiness is the best thing ever. You know, just embrace it. Have it as a vision for your life. And then go on that journey in community and get there. Amen. Amen.